Has this series been helping anybody, been blessing anybody? How, how our progress? Let's read a little bit from Numbers. I'm going to read three verses. I'm reading from tonight the New King James Version. Numbers 11, verses 1 through 3 for me. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but every time I get to come into the house of God, there's something about it that allows me to have a sense of gratefulness. When I'm able to, to see my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm able to just worship with, with other believers, it's, it does wonders for us, believe it or not. To see somebody else and understand that I'm not the only one who may be going through a trial or a tribulation. But I can see somebody else going through and still overcoming and worshiping. It means a lot. It means a lot to us. And so we never take it for granted that we're able to have these um, opportunities to worship God and to do it together. Everybody say together. Together. Amen. All right. The, the word of the Lord reads, verse number one. Now when the people complain, uh-oh, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. I want to talk just for a few minutes in this series on the power of progress from this subject, held back because of a complaint. Held back because of a complaint. Can you say it with me? Held back because of a complaint. James McDonald says that complaining is an attitude, it's a choice that if left unchecked will either, will, will wither your capacity to experience joy and genuine thankfulness. I'll say it again. Complaining is an attitude. It's an attitude choice that if left unchecked will wither your capacity to experience joy and genuine thankfulness. You need me to say it again? I'll say it for, the, for a few of us. Complaining is an is an attitude choice. Say it's an attitude choice. He said if it's left unchecked, it will wither your capacity to experience joy and genuine thankfulness. Many of us are familiar with, with, with wilderness seasons of life. A lot of us are very familiar with what the wilderness looks like. We know what that's like. We know what the wilderness looks like. Some of us in the wilderness right now. Like, hey, man, I don't know what that We know what that's like. The dry places, places where it seems like there's no progress that's happening to the natural eye. But the truth of the matter is that if you look closely, even in the wilderness, there's something taking place. Things are happening even in the wilderness. Say they're happening even in the wilderness. One person says it like I said, the wilderness to most is a horrible place to visit and even a more devastating place to live. It's a horrible place to visit in a devastating place to live. I preached last year for the end of the year and I talked about our perspective of what the wilderness is. We as church people and Christians have been so afraid of the wilderness that we have made the wilderness the worst place in the world to be when in fact the wilderness is really the place of your learning. 
You don't learn all the lessons you've learned about life. You ain't learned all of them when you had all the money in the world. Most of the stuff you learned about life and about people, even about God, you learned in the valley, in the wilderness, in the dry season, in the desert place. You learned it when it seemed like nothing was flowing for you. Most of the stuff we learned about God, we didn't learn it when we had the money and was out spending and going shopping. You learned really how to pray when you didn't have nothing. Come on, you learned how to be thankful and grateful when all hell was breaking loose. So, so, so the, the, the children, y'all funny, the children of Israel, they left Egypt, they journeyed towards the very edge of the promised land. This is where they are. Somebody say, that's their destination. This journey takes them 18 months and it covered more than 300 miles for them. Not a lot of distance except for that. There were more than 2 million people and 12 of the 18 months were spent at the base of Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments and God's other laws for them. Now this is the thing that gets me. They were on the edge of the promise. At the edge of the land that flows with milk and honey for them. Somebody say, right there. Right there. The Lord called and he said, this is where you're going into. They're right there at the edge of the promise. And right there, they're finally ready to step into the blessing. They're ready to step into what God has for them. And then God says, you're not going in. Woo! Oh, wait, wait a minute, God. We didn't travel together as a pack. We didn't made it all the way to the edge of this thing here. We can see the promise. And then God says, that's cute, but you're not going in. Now think about that for a second. We, we, we know God as the loving God who's the savior of the world and he's a loving king, but what do you do when God says you ain't ready to go into this? How do you respond when God says not yet? Oh, Lord. He tells them you're going to have to go back in the desert and you're going to stay there until everybody who is, under, who is over the age, excuse me, of 20 has died. What a sentence. What do you say as you turn around? Knowing that you're leaving the place that you have, you have come out of slavery and you're going to this place. You're finally here and God says, it's not for you now. Ooh. God is going to kill off an entire generation. That's a radical move. That, I mean, that, like, that's real, that's radical. God is saying, this whole, the whole generation is not going in. And your children are going to make it in. Like that's, think, about how, think about how painful this is. Because a lot of times, you know, we say, oh, that old, them old rascals, the children of Israel, they should have known better. <laughs> we say that now, living here with all the technology we have and all the Bible we can read and all the stuff we got. Put yourself in their shoes. They wandered in a desert, in a dry place. They don't have the right attitude. They're wandering, they're murmuring, they're complaining, and God says, I've had it, I can't take no more of this. And once they finally murmured their way from out of slavery into the, to the promise, God says, your murmurings have messed you up. I mean, right there, there's enough for us just to stop tonight and repent and say, Lord, for all the murmuring I've done. Write this down because you're going to have to read this. Uh, write down Numbers 13 and 14 because Numbers 13 and 14 actually explains what happened. Numbers 13 records that, uh, Numbers chapter 13 records uh, that the expedition of the 12 spies, y'all remember that, the 12 spies? They go to the promised land. The job of the 12 spies was to bring back the report so that the people would have the faith 
to go in and conquer the land. The job of God sending in the spies was so that they could bring the report back that, that we can trust God because he's not lying. God will always give you a glimpse into what he has promised you so that you can let your guard down and be uh, and, and, and trust him to the capacity that he wants to bless you. I think the issue with the church is not that it's not that we don't believe that something is going to come. We just don't believe that the process God has taken us through to get there is the right process. Y'all don't like that tonight. Come on. We don't come on. We all we all we all know at the end of this journey that God gonna let me see something I've never seen before. We know that. But the process, we think God is messed up and jacked up because the process. Remember, he knows the way that I take. How does he know it? Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But why is that important? Because God is the one doing the order. Now watch this. Can, can, I, can I just play with Can I mess with you a little bit? Even when you're going through stuff that you put yourself through, it's still a part of the process. I mean, you didn't jack up the whole thing. You think it's all over. You cried. I don't think know what's going to happen. God said, this is a part of my plan. I still got you. Remember Romans 8, 28, all things work. To, oh, God. That means even, even the season when you jacked it up, you can't mess it up so far that God can't pull you back into it. A temporary setback don't mean that it's over. It just means that God is teaching you a lesson from, from what you've done. God's been teaching us some things from last year up until now. It's a, somebody say it's a part of the process. See, what we do is we tell God it's over. Well, I guess I ain't gonna get it now. I guess I didn't mess up some of God. God said, no, listen, you won't get it, but you learn through what you went through. Why, why does God do that? Because there's some things I'm never going to have to go through again because I'm going to learn a lesson. Somebody say, this time. I'm going to learn the lesson this time. So, so that, that was their job. When uh, Numbers 13, 13 and 30 says that um, when they get there, two of the 12 spies have this overwhelming testimony. They go in. All of them see this is the land God said is ours. All 12 spies see, this is what God said. All 12 spies see, wow, look at the fruit. It is amazingly huge. This is everything God said it was. But the problem that, well, the problem was that the obstacles that they saw. I'm going to talk about this on Sunday, how to deal with obstacles if you're going to go forward. The obstacles that they saw did something to the 12 versus the 2. And everybody gets the same opportunity. All 12 get the opportunity to see it, to step into it, to walk around in it, watch this, and to even pull stuff from it to take back. All 12 get that. But 10 of them say, it's not for us. Ooh. This goes to show us that every person in here, every one of us, whatever you believe in God for, God's letting you see it now. He's just that good. Yes. I want this house. You found out the address, you can drive in front of it. You can touch it. You may not have the money to get in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might only let you go and do a, do a home walkthrough only if you got the million dollars sitting in the bank. But I can touch it. I can visualize it. I can walk around it. Now what you do when you walk away from it is up to you. And this is where the church messes up. 
We see it, we, we, we can touch it. Oh God, I know. And, and, and But when we walk away from it, if we believe God's able to do it for us. Yeah. Well, if we believve, I don't know. It's too big for me. Where am I gonna get a million dollars from? How does it gonna happen for me? What you do after you've seen the goodness of God, after you've seen what God has promised you, what you do when you walk away from it determines whether you get it or not. Bible says it like this, because most of us, well, I can't really, I haven't touched, haven't touched. The Bible says like this, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you have received. Past tense, past tense. The moment I pray, I believe that it's already a done deal. And he says, from that moment on, you shall receive. It shall be yours. In other words, you have to, the way faith works is, you have to, you have to start the process of faith by grabbing a hold of it in the unseen realm. You have to use your imagination. You have to see yourself in it. You have to claim it before you ever get in it. This is the way faith works for us. How do you, how do you get there? You don't get there until you jump into it here. Is that making sense? If you can't see yourself in it now, if it's impossible for you now, you'll never get it. I don't care what it is. Even if you have the money for it, if you still can't see yourself having it and serving God with it, it won't come. Okay, no, okay. So watch this. This is what they said in, in, um, in verses, uh, even, even in, uh, in Numbers 14. They said, the land that we passed through the spy out, it was, a, it was a great land. And this is what they said. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. He'll bring it to us. He'll give it to us. He'll, somebody said, he'll bring it. He'll bring us to it. He'll give it to us. Then they said, a land that's flowing with, with, with milk and honey. Now watch this. It says, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they will be our prey. This is what happened. See, before they went in, they got, they got a word. Right. It's going to happen for you if you, only if you get in there and don't, and don't, watch this, and, and, and really stop operating faith. If you operate in faith, it's yours. Yeah. But if you stop operating in faith and move into fear, you won't receive it. That was the word they got before they went in. Right. So a lot of times what we do, we hear God say something, but we don't listen to what he said before we go in. Right. We're so apt to go in that we missed the instruction before. Yeah. Because the instruction said, instruction said, only do not rebel. Don't rebel. Don't pull away from the Lord. And then it said, don't fear the people in the land, for they will be our prey. Don't fear them. Don't rebel against the Lord. What did, what did the ten do? They rebelled against the Lord, and they feared the people. At that moment, they disobeyed what God wanted them to do in order to be recipients of what he promised them. So God said, you can't go in because sometimes, I said this all the time, sometimes God, God gives you a thousand chances, other times he only gives you one. All right. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that came back with the report of faith and confidence. According to verse 10 of, 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 uh, of chapter 14, Numbers, it says, but all the congregations said, stone them. Everybody said, stone these jokers. <laughs> we got two guys here who are going against the majority. Stolen jokers. Why did they want to kill Joshua and Caleb? Because their report went against their fear. 
Anytime, and I'm going to help you, anytime you have big faith and believe in God for something, you're going you're to witness this time after time again. When you share what God is telling you with people who aren't ready for it, they're going to try that best to stone your, your vision to kill what God said to you. How are you going to get that? You ain't never had no house. How are you going to do that? You ain't never had no man. How are you going to do that? You ain't never been in a stable relationship. They're going to always try to kill what you said God said is yours. Lord Jesus. Watch this. Don't miss this attitude here. The attitude is no faith. Say no faith. No they had the wrong attitude because they had no faith. The ten went home and they, they, they annihilated the faith of everybody who was waiting to hear the good report. Ten messed up one point something million, million people's minds about what God said was theirs. Ten people. If 10 people can mess up the minds of 1.8 million people, then what can one person with the wrong mindset do to us? What can one person with the, with the wrong mindset tell you about your business? And about your family? And about where God wants to take you to? One person that says the wrong thing can start a, can drop a seed inside your heart that can mess up the whole program, especially if you're not built up in faith. So how do you build up in faith? I'm glad you asked. Jude says, pray in the Holy Ghost. I know the church don't like to hear that these days. If you want to hear the feel-good message, he said, you build yourself up by praying in the Holy Ghost. You build yourself up in what? Your most holy faith. What does that do? It stops me from receiving the seed of negative people. It keeps me built up in what God said in spite of what people are saying. Watch this. In spite of what I see. In spite of what it looks like. In spite of what they said in the bank. None of that matters as long as I'm built up in faith. Because when you're built up in faith, one one no can equal ten yeses. God changes the rules for people who trust him. And all I want to know tonight is do we have at least ten people in here that can say I trust God in spite of? Anybody trust God tonight? I feel something, I feel something brewing. I trust God. I don't have all the answers, but somebody says I trust him. But somebody shout, I trust him. Watch this. I don't even have the team yet, but somebody say, I trust him. Don't even have all, all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed, but somebody shout, I trust him. I don't have the money for a down payment, but I still trust him. I don't. Oh, come on here. I've been circling the car at, at the lot saying it's mine in Jesus' name. But somebody looking at me like I'm crazy, but somebody said, I still trust him. Watch this. They said, stone these jokers. They said, stole them, watch this. Because they were angry at the fact that two men dared to stand up and say, God can do it. And he can do it by using us. See, I never, I never look at the majority when the majority is talking against what God says. I'm looking for the minority that is, that, that is standing stronger saying, but God can still do it. You gotta find people like that in your life. I know we got a lot of friends, a lot of associates, a lot of people we know, but some people you really gotta you gotta disconnect from. You gotta find people who are able to say God can still do it. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, I'm serious. I mean, it's just like the times we live in, people are looking for a Facebook pastor to come on, to to to, to, to kind of tell them that they're okay with disbelief. Wow. Think about how many people can talk, not not much, when you really are struggling. 
with your faith. I, I'm, I'm trying. And I don't, I, isn't it something how when you're in that phase of struggle, how the enemy always sends people to try to dismiss what it is that God said to you? Anybody ever been there before besides me? It's very rare that you find people on purpose that want to partner with you because you said God said and they believe the God in you. Well, how can I believe the God of somebody? I'm glad you asked. Is what this is the thing that they're believing God for, does it line up first of all with the word? Second of all, does it line up with the with the power and presence of God that's within you? Spirit calls a spirit, deep calls a deep. Is it something that lines up? No, watch this. You may disagree with somebody because you might not be at that level of deep. The Lord tell me, tells me, start, start another, another campus in Newport News. I don't know if that, that that's a lot of work. And I don't, well, you might not be at that level of deep. Your level of deep might just barely be coming to church on Sundays. You're struggling for Tuesdays. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so if, I, if, if I mention something that God told me to do, you're gonna, the, the way you're going to either agree with me or disagree with me is going to be based on your level of deep. If you're still at shallow, we're going to have confrontation. Because your level of commitment is different than mine. So how do you get deep? You got to deepen first your commitment. You never go deeper in anything without a deeper level of commitment to it. And this is the issue. Most people want to be committed. They, they want to go deeper in God, but they don't want to be committed to Him. They want to, oh, I want God to use me. They, want, they don't want to be committed to him. Because to be committed to him means you got to be committed to a process. you got to be committed to a process, really the process that he has for your life. That process of, the, the process of commitment is the process to commit to submitting. Come on, say it. like that. The process of submission. Not only we submit to leaders, we're supposed to submit to one another. It comes with it comes with the process of obedience. Yes. Oh Lord. Yes. You can't say you belong to God, but do what you want to do. Come on, this new age church, I don't get this stuff. I know what you said, but I just feel that God told me to do this at the other. Well, somewhere there's a disconnect. Exactly. The other thing you gotta be committed to, if you want to go deep, you gotta be committed to working for God. Just general tenets of the faith. This is general foundational stuff that most people don't get. Because how can I be connected to somebody I, I refuse to work for and with? Oh Lord. When you when you got hired for your job, you made the commitment that you were going to be committed to being under that authority and following the rules of that organization and committing to doing work. Now watch the work doesn't even benefit you. Not quiet tonight. I said, the work that you're doing for that great job doesn't really benefit you. It benefits the company. It helps you in a way because you can take the experience of that and take that experience to someplace else. But most people are not even committed to staying with it long enough to learn the ins and outs. Or they're only there to learn the ins and outs to take it somewhere else. And the truth of the matter is that, I won't do that. I'm going up another. Okay. So, so you got to be committed. 
verse 11 and 12. Verse 11 and 12, this is what God says. How long will these people spurn me? This is what God says. How long will they not believe in me? The whole reason for God sending them into the promised land early, this despise, was to get the whole, the whole two million plus people to believe in him. Now think about the heart of God. Think about God. And don't, don't, don't look at God as just, oh, he's just being in his think of, think of him as a real father. Right. Think about him like a father. The father wants to, my, my sons are sitting over here. I want my children to trust me. Right. I don't want to walk near my children. Like, oh! What you, when have I ever abused you to the fact that when I walk by you, you got to jump unless you know you're wrong? Right. Right. Y'all get what I'm saying? Yeah. You ever had to discipline one of your children and pop, 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 right? And then you walk by another time and they jump and they're like, what did you do? Right. Because right. uh -huh. when I get close to them, they understand who I am. Right. Yeah. They understand what I carry. Right. And when I get close enough to them, what they've done wrong and the things that they know they're holding back from me comes up. Right. And the last time I had to deal with them about a wrong, it resulted in a... So when I, get, when I get closer to them, if they only go by the wrong that they've done, they're going to automatically flinch and jump. A, a great parent does this. A great parent wants their children to trust them. Amen. Any, any parents in here tonight? Amen. All right. You want your, how many of you want your children to trust you? Yes. But how many of you want to trust your children? <laughs> that's, the, that's the key. We got three hands up on that. See what I'm saying? He says, how long, how, how long will they not believe in me despite all of the signs which I have performed in their midst? After I've done all of this stuff, they've watched me, they've watched the plagues in Egypt. They've seen all of this stuff happen, but they still don't trust me. He says, because now they, because he's given them a season to trust him. I took y'all out of slavery. I took y'all into this wilderness. We're walking around. I'm letting y'all go on to see this, this, this promised land. And, and ten of y'all are really corrupting the whole. That's what he says. He says, I'm going to make you into a nation greater and mightier than them. This is what I want to do for you. I want to make y'all into a nation that's greater than your enemy. Like, I, I don't want to just come in here and just preach at y'all. I want you to understand what God is going through. Because this is something God is going through with his people. Yeah. This, is not just, this is not just God saying, I'm going to kill y'all because you ain't trust me. Yeah. He's giving them all the resources and he's telling them what he's going to do for them if they would just step up. Yeah. 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 Does that make sense? He's showing them. This is what he's saying. He said, I'm going to make you into a nation that's greater than your enemies. And the reason why I let them go over there and get all that fruit to bring back to you is to show you that what, I, what I'm going to give you is bigger, than, the reward is even bigger than what you even knew. Right. Watch this. So Moses pleaded with God and says to God, don't wipe these people out, please. Please don't wipe them out. Even if it's for your own reputation, don't wipe them out. Because what are people going to think about you? Right. If you kill your own people. But God was still upset with them. Because they allowed 10 people. Now, just look at the implication of this. Right. They allowed 10 people to stop them yes. from marching into a territory that belonged to them. Yes. The Lord spoke and says, how, he said, this is what he says to Moses and Aaron. He says, how long am I going to bear with the evil of this congregation? 
notice the words, who grumbled against me. I've heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they make against me. He says, he says, so say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. And then God amplified this. These are the words. He says, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Even all of your numbered men, according to your complete number, from 20 years old and upwards. Who, notice, notice who's going to fall. Those who have grumbled against me. That's verses 26 to 29. Those who have grumbled against me. Now watch this. God chose 20 and up. He said, anybody who's 20 and older who has grumbled against me, they're going to drop dead in the wilderness. Which says that 19 and under, there was nobody who grumbled. I'm going to help you. The older you get, the more you complain. Y'all don't like me tonight. The, Anybody know any old person that just, it might be, and when I say older, according to the word, older is 20 and up. No, that's my mama, no, that's my daddy, that's my auntie Susan. 20 and up, God says. Anybody know anybody older who complains? I know a few. <laughs> he says to them, listen to what he says to them. He says, all the grumblers and the complainers will not make it into the promise. Or, we can take it like this. They won't progress from here. Held back because of their complaint. He says, in essence, they're going to mark time for 40 years. And this is what he says. You can read it, read it all throughout Numbers, read it in, uh, read it in Exodus and Numbers. He says, he says they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna mark time for 40 years. Watch this. He said, I'm going to give them 40 years to pay for every day for 40 days that they messed up. Every day that they wouldn't make up their mind for 40 days, I'm going to add a year for every day. By the punishment. He was sending the message. This is what he was saying. I want you to know how I feel about this. This is what God is saying to them. Verse 35 records his words. I, the Lord, have spoken this, and surely I will do it. This is what most people, most people, when they don't get their way, this is what I'm talking about. This thing that's holding us from, from really progressing is complaining. Most people, when they don't get their way, they resort to complaint, grumbling, murmuring. They upset with everybody in the world. When you complain, listen to what happens. God said this. God hears it. He hates it. And look at what he does. He pushes everyone who persists in it into a wilderness for learning. So could it be that you're in the... <laughs> I wish I felt better like much. Could it be that, that most of the wildernesses that most of us have been in has been because of our complaint? Yeah. 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 Murmuring and complaining about the stuff. So when I start murmuring and complaining about stuff, God says, good, now you need to learn something. Wow. <clears throat> remember that. Remember that those who choose complaining as a lifestyle are going to spend time in the wilderness learning about what they're complaining about. Now listen to that. Most of the things that I had to go in the wilderness for are the things I complained about. 
and when I came out of the wilderness, I learned that the lesson I learned was that what I was complaining about wasn't even an issue. I started realizing that the main issue wasn't that. That was a surface issue. But there was something deeper that led to the surface issue that I didn't even know was underneath. But see, see, the complaint opened up because of something that was already deep down in me. So think about it. Anybody so much taking notes, but just make a mental note of the things you've been complaining about. Why the world? I got still be going through this. Why the world? I ain't Why the world? All the stuff that you're complaining about. Yes. And the question is, could it be that the things you're complaining about is a deeper issue behind? Yes. Yes. You complain about money. The issue may not be money yes. as much as it is yes. that you just want and you're spoiled. Yes. Woo! Yes. Glory to God. The issue may not be the money. Yes. The issue may be you want your way all the time. Yes. That may be the issue. And because you're not getting your way all the time, you're blaming it on what is the now issue, which is the money that you want for what you desire. Right. So what happens is God hears a complaint, and he just leaves it for a while. But if you continue to complain about it, obviously this is something that is hindering him from being able to help you with what you believe your issue is. And the way he has to deal with, with your complaint is not by whipping you. He gonna slam you up against the wall and be like in the ICU for six months. He don't do that kind of stuff. He loves you. So he takes you from the place of your complaint into a wilderness that has to do with what your complaint was about. He takes you right into the wilderness and every day you're looking at your complaint. I, I might not get too many amens on this tonight. takes you right into the wilderness, and what do you see every day? What you've been complaining about? More low finances. Like, what in the world? What the devil is this? You said you're the God that's applied all my needs. He's like, yeah, we'll get to that, but right now, walk. And learn from me. How many of y'all the truth? You want to know, know when you come out the wilderness? You've been in the wilderness so long, you start saying something like, it don't matter how much money I have, as long as I got you, God, that's all I ever need. Because God has brought you, brought you in the wilderness. He broke your desire in the wilderness. He broke your mindset in the wilderness. You'll stop worrying about what you don't have and start seeing what you do have. You start saying, well, I'm heavy. I got a few pairs of sneakers that broke it up, but I'm heavy for them. I got two pairs of shoes, but Lord, I'm heavy with two pairs of Lord, my skirt got a rip, but I learned how to sew. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And then watch, and then when you say, I don't care if I don't ever get nothing, then God goes, hey, go to money. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, wait. I got ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I got ten thousand dollars. Now what I'm gonna do? I learned to be content with whatever state I find myself in. I don't want to buy no clothes now. Here's somebody gotta tell you, you you got all the balance. You hold You need a couple of more skirts. You need some jeans. And I spent enough. I'm gonna just me and Jesus. I'm gonna just put this in the bank. And I'm gonna spend another dime a day out there. I'm like, no, no, no. Balance yourself out. Cause you wanna know why you got like that? Cause the wilderness will teach you. Tell somebody the wilderness will teach you. Tell somebody else the wilderness will teach you. The wilderness. Okay, you, you don't you don't want to hear from the word of God being preached to you? God will send you to wilderness. The wilderness will teach you. The wilderness will become your tutor. I know that's not what the church wanna hear. It's not a death sentence. It's not a death sentence. It's meant for your learning. 
Whenever God wants to mature people, he takes them into the wilderness. He took the children of Israel into the wilderness and he kept telling them, I got a land for you. What was he trying to do? He was trying to get their minds off of slavery. Trying to get their minds to be discombobulated from what had happened to them. But all they ever did was go back to, why did you bring us out here to kill us? We're going to talk about that Sunday. You brought us out here to kill us. There weren't enough, there weren't enough other graves in Egypt. You should have left us here to die. They were fearful. Their minds were jacked up because although they had progressed in walking, they hadn't progressed in thinking. You walk out the devil's kingdom when you got saved, but your mind is still in the devil's kingdom. So God says, when you come here, don't be conformed to the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But be transformed, how God, by the renewing. Your feet move, but your mind is still there. So you come in here to go through a process for your mind to be renewed, made over, until you stop thinking like you used to. Until you stop telling God, I had it better in the world. You can't slap God in the face and then expect him to bless you. I'm almost done. I have seven minutes, I promise. So look back at that clock, I'm going to be done. I'm, I came in here like I feel it, but so I'm going to preach and go to sleep. You can't, you can't come out of something, but your mind be trapped there. But you expect to reap from the place where your feet are, but not from the place where your mind is. I'm in God now. No, your body's in God, but your heart and your spirit and all of you is still in the devil's kingdom. You, you praise on Sunday, but you can't smoke out on Monday. That's okay. why. I don't care. I didn't say nothing in my heart. You said it in your mind. Your mind hasn't been delivered. So you're going to stay in the wilderness until your mind gets renewed. The kingdom of God is not, let me say this, the kingdom of God is not lacking representatives. The kingdom of God is lacking representatives with integrity. We got a lot of representatives. But we are missing representatives that have integrity. So rather than you preach, we'd rather you sit down and let God work on your mouth. Work on your mind. Work on how you treat your family. Oh, come on. So, how, how many people in here can honestly say you've been a complainer? I, my hands up. I, I was an ex-complainer. Some of y'all right now complainers. We're going to help you. Have you ever wondered why complaining is such a battle? Have you ever wondered why it's such a battle? Because the truth is, say this, complaining changes nothing. The reason why complaining is such a big deal to, to us is because it satisfies our flesh. Yes. Complaining satisfies the part of you that is, that is entitled. Yes. The part of you that feels entitled, that's the thing that complaining it, it satisfies. It satisfies your sinful nature. Yes. Complaining releases negative emotional energy in a way that provides momentary relief from a situation or circumstance. That's frustrating you. That's why we find it so hard to resist complaining. Because when you complain, you feel justified now to get all that out of you. Because you're using complaint as your prayer. You're using complaint as your prayer. Instead of prayer as your means of release. Cast 
casting all of your cares on him, for he cares for you. So this is what we do. When we, I'm complaining to Jerry. Jerry, you know I don't like it. I, I, I take my complaint off me and I throw my complaint on him. Now he has his complaints and my complaint. And then you know what I do? I go back to get more, more complaints from me. Then Jerry's bobbed down. He likes being around me, but I'm throwing all this junk on him. But I'm still picking up more stuff on me. Now when I can't walk no more, and he can't walk no more, then I say, you ain't useful to me. You know why? Because he can't take no more of my complaints. And this is how this is how the cycle goes. We look for people in relationships that we can complain to. Our friends are our springboards for our complaints. Instead of, instead of springboards for ideas on how to get out of stuff. That they may be able to pray for us. This is not, this is not confess your faults one to another so that you may be made healed. It's not that. Complaint is not a fault. A fault is, you know what? Sometimes I have a, bad, a negative attitude. I'm confessing to you a fault. I have bad, I always have a bad attitude. But if I say, you know, people always say I have a bad attitude. You wanna know I have a bad attitude, can't you? Because, you know, Esther get on my nerves and I just mean Esther be at it all the time. I, now, you, you see the difference in the two? I, I can share with him I have a bad attitude. And I know it stems from, I'm saying this to him because in hopes he will hear that and pray with me and for me so that I can be made whole. As opposed to, I'm giving him the issue. I have a, we start good. I have a, I have a complaint. This is what I'm going through. But then when I get into all of the details of it and throw the problem that I have onto him, now he now, he has a hold of my, he's holding up my problem. Now he got to up with Esther. You understand what I'm saying? Where did it come from? It came from the person that had the art from the beginning. So our complaints, we use our complaints as prayers. But 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 you're praying to the wrong person. Casting all your cares on him. Why not tell him the whole deal? Why not tell him even the truth about what you felt? I felt like I just want to slap him in the mouth and then they kick the Lord and then I just look, I, I saw a white light and then I got blinded for a second. I was like, okay, thank you, you slapped me out of it. Thank you for that because it was about to be a situation. You know I got two felonies already. I'm going to try to make it, I don't want to be the third. Come on, you know. Tell him the whole deal. If we spend more time in prayer, we spend less time upset. Who you mad at? You ever see that dude? You. What do you say? You mad. <laughs> you sour. Like a limber. You ever see that guy? Oh, okay. I'll play it the other day. You, you, you sour. Like a limber. Not limber. L I M O. Like a limber. Write down Numbers 11, 1 through 3. Just write down. I want y'all to read. Just read the Numbers 11, 12, 13, and 14. It's going to bless you. Moses journaled his entry from day one in the wilderness with, his, with, with the, people of, the people of Israel. He says, now the people became like those who complained. This is Numbers 11 and 1. Now the people became like those who complained. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. His, oh Lord, his anger was kindled. Say that, his anger was kindled. He got angry instantly the moment they started complaining. 
and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some, some of them in the outskirts of the camp. Wait a minute. The anger of the Lord, now, now look at how this looks. Moses is journaling what's happening as it's happening. He's writing down. He said, from the first day we got, we got here, the people began to complain. They got out of slavery, we got into the wilderness, and all the memories start complaining. Day one out of slavery, wouldn't you be praising? Yeah. You'd have been here for hundreds of years. You came out. It, the first day in the wilderness should have been like, ah! I mean, jumping and shouting and praising and flipping it. I mean, we don't need no music. We ain't got no pianos out here. Hit a rock or something. I mean, we're going to have church. You know? We just got rescued from the devil. It wasn't like that. They came out, and the moment they crossed the threshold from the wilderness, I mean, from, from, from slavery, over into the wilderness, they start complaining. What are we doing out here? What is this? Oh, my God. At least out over there, they gave us water. What are we going to drink? What are we gonna, I'm hungry. But <laughs> Moses said, from the time they walked into the wilderness, they start complaining. Now, think about that. And he says, and when the Lord heard it, which says, that when, that when God should have been hearing praises and, and, and seeing dancing and hearing people loving on him because of what he just did by raising up a deliverer to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And then seeing all of these all of these plagues and seeing all of things happen. And then, and then they get let go and they don't leave empty handed. They, they had to, the Lord told them, go and tell everybody, give us your gold. They walked out. They walked out rich. But it's hard to know you're rich when you ain't got nowhere to spend your riches. Where, where are we going to spend the riches? In the promised land. No. The, the riches were meant to just walk them through the land to the promised land. To get here, to use that for trading, bartering, to use it to, to, to conquer other kingdoms. I mean, they were supposed to be rich. But all they could do was murmur and complain from day one. How many of us have been complaining to God since the first day we got saved? Okay. He said, when the Lord heard it, I'm going to end with this. His anger was kindled, to watch this, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some people on the outskirts of the camp. Now look, look, look at this picture. The picture is they've gone, they've gone midway into the wilderness. They've set up a camp, a perimeter. People are standing outside of the perimeter. Just talking and you know, shooting the breeze, man, ain't that crazy? You see that, you see the blood, you see the frogs, man, you see the mosquitoes and the flies, wow. And while they're doing this, while they're, and some even outside that, that perimeter are complaining, while they're doing this, the Bible said fire shot down from heaven. Yes. <laughs> um, around the outskirt. Yes. And killed everybody outside the camp. Yes. You know what this was? This was a sign from God to tell them, yes. shut your Mouths. We miss the signs because we're so deep in complaint about our lives. We miss, we miss the warning signs because it still ain't the way I wanted to be, Jesus. We miss those signs. It came close to home, but it didn't come close enough. It ain't got close enough. And, and what happens is, God's trying to get somebody say, he's been trying to get my attention. He's been trying to get my attention. Mm -hmm. All right, all right, I, I, I got, 
one minute. Listen to this. Write this down. Write this down if you're taking notes. We choose our attitudes. We choose our attitudes. Ain't nobody making you be mad, silent, nobody. You choose, you chose, you chose that, and that's what you did. Your attitude don't choose you. I don't know why I'm acting like that. No, you chose that. You have more control of, of your attitude than you than you believe. Every attitude is anger, sadness, happiness, like all that you have control over it. I will rejoice. Lord Jesus. I will enter his gates with it. I will. I will. It's about your will. I will. Say, I will. You can, now, now I'm, I'm going to teach you how powerful your will is. You can make yourself, you can make yourself be glad even though you don't want to be glad. In a horrible situation. You ever mad at somebody and saw a funny movie and laughed anyway? Anybody? You ever mad at somebody, been in an argument with somebody and be upset with them, but then go see a Kevin Hart movie or something crazy and be like, ah! <laughs> and laugh? Ever, ever happened to anybody? Saw a funny movie? You didn't allow, you didn't allow the issue to stop you from enjoying the moment. So to say the devil stole your joy. To say the devil stopped you from being happy. To say that somebody in a relationship, when they hurt you, shut your life down, is an excuse. Because nobody has that much power over you except for you. You cried tonight, it's okay. You chose to be weak, and I know you don't want to hear this. You chose to sit in that black dark room, eat that popcorn, and listen to crazy music. You chose that. You chose it. Many times it's, a, it's, it's connected to the part of your soul that stays in a wounded place. If you don't get healing from past wounds, when you get a new wound, you just go into the old wounds like a cocoon. You cover yourself up with all the old stuff that happened to you because you never dealt with the old stuff. Some of us tonight, I'm not going to go any further because this is not something, this, is, this tonight was the introduction. We're going to deal with this next week. Because I don't want to rush through this. I don't rush to, and then God, he let them go, no, 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 no. Let's deal with this emotional stuff. Because if, you, if you're really going to go forward, because a lot of us are, I'm going to go forward, I'm going to be more than God, I'm going to progress. You're really not going to progress until you become emotionally healthy. You're not going nowhere. You're not going around. You get a thousand dollars, your your emotions are still gonna be hurt. And everything you buy is to show everybody I wasn't broke like you thought I was. Who you broke broke for? Your new man has to show the old man that the new one is better. Than, come on, all that crazy stuff. The new girl, you bump, you pray. You at the same mall because you know that, that the old girlfriend shops at this place. And you want to bump them on purpose. Let's go to the mall today. Every day we go to the mall. I want to go to the mall. Let's go to the mall today. Because you want to bump into the old girlfriend and show the old girlfriend, look. I got somebody to replace you, and I'm happier. You ain't happy. You're not happy. There are old hurts that we need to deal with. You at this church, you're loving God here, but your old pastor hurt you. I can't be your pastor yet. I can't be your pastor yet. Because you want to know why? You got unfinished business with your old pastor. Whether or not you talk to him or her, 
or, or you just forgive them. You got some work to do. Amen. You can't get into a new relationship and base the new relationship off the, or what the last one did or didn't do. And a lot of times the new person is dumbfounded. They don't know what's going on. Like, what am I doing wrong? I'm loving you. I bought you flowers. You told me you like flowers. I don't like flowers no more. <laughs> when did this happen? Yesterday. <laughs> All right, so I won't get you no more flowers. Oh, so now you're just gonna give up that easy? He's like, what do I do? Just walk around like, oh, I want you, I want you. Everybody confused. You confused. You don't know what you really want. He confused because he don't know what to give you. We confused because ain't no, ain't no harmony here. There's a ball of confusion. But then we pray, God, give me a good relationship. I just want to have something great and wonderful. What does that look like to you? Does it look like your last relationship? If so, you need to get out of that one in your mind. Oh, Lord. <laughs> what does happiness look like to you? Are these are questions that most time in church nobody asks us. What is ha is, does happiness to you look like? I got the dream job. I got the dream man and woman. I got the dream financial portfolio. I got the dream car. I got the dream dog. His name is Spot. <laughs> like, what does happiness look like for you? What would make, no seriously, what would make you happy tonight? What would make you just happy? What, what is it that would make you happy? If you lost weight, if you gained weight, what make, see, this, because this is the issue, let me help us with something. The issue is, you gotta be happy where you are right now. I got a gut, who cares? Cause I love me. And I'm, I'm getting healthy, but I got a gut. Why come out here? And then the Lord said, oh, Jesus is there. And then it'll be like, every time I gotta breathe, I turn away from them. Cause Neil don't see my gut. When I come to the end of church, I'm like, don't look at my gut. When I turn around, you turn and look at the screen. I mean, like, I'm putting, I'm putting something unnatural on him because the truth is, I feel a ways about me. But I'm trying to, like, can, can we see this stuff? What? So y'all didn't answer my question. Even if, because I know some of the answer because I can tell this by, I can, t I can tell, I'm not telling you how I know, I can tell, because you didn't even answer it in your mind. What would make you happy? Why aren't you happy right now, right here? Living in an apartment, living in the ghetto, don't have to dream everything, nothing is a dream right now, you're in reality. Why aren't you happy with the present reality you're at? Now, does that mean, does that, mean that you never uh, 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 go for more? No. But why can't you be content just right here. Because the reason why I'm asking this is because what if you don't get the, the next job? What if the man don't come this year? What if you got on the you got on the treadmill every day until next next year this time and you only lost five pounds? Well, I, I, I want us to be realistic tonight. Come on, because I want to give you the holistic side of it. I want you to see the natural side of this also. You're gonna be, can you be happy with you and Jesus right here, right now? If you can't, everything that you go after, you're going after to fill a void that you've created for yourself. It's a void that you've created. 
Can you be happy doing what you love and not get paid the amount you, you believe you're worth? Although you might be worth more, but can you be happy doing what you love doing? Like, can you, I'm like, look, y'all begging at me. <laughs> do the friends you have around you, do they bring happiness into your life and not stress? Just think, I mean, I'm, I'm being proud on purpose. I want you to think. Because the truth is, we don't think about this stuff. What's your process for choosing friends? Why do you need a thousand friends? Why you can't be happy with one friend and like 10 associates? When the associates are the outer court people and the friend is the inner court people. The friend sees you at your most vulnerable point, but the associates only see the other side. I can't show you that side because I don't really know you that well. I don't trust you that well because I see how you do things, but you're good at helping with business. That's an associate. You're good to help me plow through this business stuff, but you're not good with my emotions. The inner me. Y'all see that? So maybe, maybe I'm not happy with the friends I have because they're misplaced. Okay. What's, what's going to make you happy in life? Airlines will see nine happy about this. Well, cut it off. Or just live, live half old. We ain't gonna judge you. If you're happy about it, guess what? We may snicker a little bit. We may snicker a little bit, but guess what? The only person you gotta please is God. I'm trying to get, trying to get us to understand like we put on so many pretenses for people. One day, maybe we're here. Let's see how you look. No, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not, come on. I'm not hair shaming tonight. I'm not hair shaming nobody. No, promise God, I'm not being funny. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not hair shaming. I'm saying like, every once in a while, we need to see the real you. No, I'm serious. Every once in a while, we need to know, we need to take the mask off. Let's see you for who you really are. You got upset. You blew up in the cafe because they didn't give you a hot dog on time. We're now seeing the real you. It's okay. We can handle you. Look how, look, look how everybody's just like, you can handle me? Because you acting, you acting saved and being saved are two different things. Amen. This is why God can't deliver most people because they, they try, they, they're playing a part in God. You're an actress, an actor. You, you have a role in Christ. You have a role in the kingdom. I'm going to church today. Behave. You're looking at yourself in the mirror. Behave. You better not cuss nobody out today. <laughs> I mean, you're giving yourself the pep talk in the car. Act say it. Come on, we say Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Shut up, hallelujah. As I'm talking about, we say, hold up, shut up, cut up, hallelujah. We say, we say, we say, we say. Come on. And then he say, hey, hey, blessed and highly favored. You ain't mean none of that. But we can tell it. You ain't fooling us. You might fool everybody, you ain't fooling me. So when you get in that car at the church and that's it, you've been there on the floor. You're not gonna know. Oh, yeah, Bishop. Just gonna come in the Lord, let me be a car. I just wanna tell you, we're gonna pray for you, we love you. Oh, I'm so godly, exuding with joy. <laughs> Blessed and highly favored. Be on your way, Bishop. 
But that's not the real you. So inside you're miserable. So is anybody going to tell me tonight what it's going to take to make a happy? Anybody want to be brave and tell me what, what it's going to take for me to be happy? Nobody? Okay. Well, that's not fair because you just came in at the end. I know. I know. Somebody's been here. Come on, somebody. Go ahead, Christian. Car. A car is going to make you happy. Okay. If you don't get the car, will you be happy? That's the issue. Yeah. Were you here for the whole teacher? Yeah. Okay. So if, <laughs> so, if, so, if you, so if you don't get the car... If you don't get the car, will, will you be happy? I'm not talking about bliss. I'm talking about being okay with you. Being okay in your life as a man that doesn't have a car. I want more. Hmm? I want more. You want more. There's nothing wrong with that. When I say happiness, I'm not talking about you walking around this bliss euphoria. How many of you look like SpongeBob? <laughs> it's a brand new. Anybody got kids know that episode of SpongeBob? He gets up out of the bed. It's a brand new. His pants just automatically come up. I'm not talking about that. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say happy, I'm on a trip. When I say happy, what I'm referring to is you being okay if in your time frame. What you what you desire, it doesn't come in that time frame. So you you twenty eighteen was my year to get married. It didn't happen. Now you all this year, eyes closed, ain't putting no makeup on, ain't smell like nothing good and fresh. Because you didn't gave up. You didn't gave up because you put the limit on it for twenty eighteen. Now he's looking for the good thing, and he ain't smelling no. He's seeing no good. He's like, oh God, am I not here? You know what I'm saying? I wanted a wife. I was in church, and I'd done this. I put, I put every year as my year. I wanted to get married young because I wanted to have some kids, and I wanted to travel, and I wanted to do things. And I was like, I, I want to do it going young, right? And then my pastor pulled me to the office one day and said, What's your goals? So I got big goals, I got big dreams, I'll be rich, be multi-millionaire, married at 26 or 26. He said, Well, what if you don't, what if you don't ever get millions? And what if you don't get married until 35? To a 19-year-old, I thought the rapture was going to take place that night. I was there, it was over. Just let Jesus call me home. And if it ain't going to happen before I'm 35, I don't really want to live. I was so serious. He laughed just like y'all laughing. I was serious. I'm like, if it ain't going to happen, just let God take me home. Don't take me home because I want it I wanted at 35. Before I'm, 30, I want it before I'm 20, 29, I want, I want to have a life before 29. He said, who told you that that was a life? Who told you that being married and making millions of dollars was a life by 29? And I thought, I said, that's just what everybody wants. <laughs> he said, so he said, he asked me, I'm gonna ask you this, so what's the age to get married? You know what that age is? When you're ready. You wanna know what the age is for you to get married? When you're ready. And y'all don't like that, y'all are like, oh. When you're ready. But watch this. How do you know if you're ready if you've never seen nothing else? How do you know if you're ready if you ain't never been on a cruise? You ain't never been on, you ain't never went to Spain, or you ain't never went to Portugal, you never went out, you only seen Virginia and California. 
see something else. By the time you get married, you have a couple of kids. Your, your time is limited. And that moment, your life is not your own forever. Life is not my own. To them, I be. When you marry and have children, you can't even pick up like, hmm, guess we're going to go to Spain tomorrow. In the middle of the school year? Have you lost your mind? Go get these kids up. Who will help me put them to bed? You do it. No, no, no. We got to do this together. You understand see what I'm saying? The time when you're single is the time Paul says you're supposed to give yourself over to God. Yes. 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 Seriously. Because when you get married, now you have, your priorities are going to have to change. Yes. Amen. And it don't mean, it don't mean that, that the things of God and God moves out your priority list. It just means you're going to have to be a better juggler of your time. And a better, a, a better time manager. So, you, so when, you, when you're single, stay on that read the Bible. Work in the house of God, stay in, laugh, but it's till two in the morning. Right? But when you get married, you might not be able to stay up till two in the morning because she might be saying, Junior, hold up, baby, I'm reading Psalm 91. Peter dwelt in a secret place in the most high. She said, No, 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 no. It's not a secret place in the most high. What you gonna say then? No, no, no. Say the Lord rebuke you. I'm in the presence of God. That don't work. All right, all right. Maybe that's too much for y'all. Maybe I should say this before married now. What is it going to take for you to be happy? Can you be happy where you are right now? I'm not saying that this is it for you, but if you can't learn to enjoy your right now, you'll never enjoy your next. Because when you get your next, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I've been there. When you get your next, you're going to see something bigger. The house you're in right now is two bedrooms, it's, it's 1,400 square feet. You're like, I hate this place. I just want to be out of here. I just hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Right? And then you get money, right? You get a six-bedroom, 5,000-square-foot home, right? Eventually, that's going to be too small for you. Because you got more money, you can fill up more rooms. You get married, you get children, you get people coming over, you get in-laws staying with you. It's not enough room. You're not happy with five, six thousand square feet. You need ten thousand square feet. So you're now you're unhappy because you you this is the pattern for you. You're not happy until you get your next. Yeah. 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 Wow. And that's how most people live. Yeah. Even in God, we live like that. You give your best praise after you get good money, get a new job, get a boo, or God forgives you. Yeah. <laughs> Stand on your feet. I, I, I can't return right. You give God your best praise after God forgives you. You got some good money. You got good news. Why can't you give God good praise when everything's going bad? Why you can't give your best seat when you don't have no money? You understand what I'm saying? If you don't learn how to be happy right where you are and be content and love where you are right now, Another thing is not going to make you happy. You know, and I, and I know we have a hard time believing that, but talk to a millionaire who's unhappy. I've talked to millionaires that are very unhappy. And no matter how many trinkets they buy, how many cars and jewels, they walk in, I walked in, I lived out here in Virginia with a millionaire. He walked in stores and, they, and bought 50 pairs of Nikes, went to jewelry shops and bought 10,000, 50,000, a million dollars worth of diamonds and did all this stuff. But in the core of who he was, was unhappy. Yeah. Didn't have God for real. 
and, and I'm thinking, with what I got? If I could have 50 pairs of sneakers and a million dollars of diamonds with the Jesus I got. Hallelujah. Life would just be better. See, a lot of our salvation, it has been messed up from the beginning because our salvation is all on God giving us the next thing. And I know we don't want to say amen to that, but it's true. Most times we want to say, give me prophecy, or tell me what about it, what my next is, what about it, what about it, what about it, what about it. Sometimes God will, God will leave you right in the dark until you get until you get grateful. What he wanted to see from Israel was in the wilderness. He wanted to see them be thankful that he just bought them from out of a place of slavery. He wanted to, he wanted, as a father, he wanted to see that they trusted him enough, but first that they were thankful that their situation had shifted. And his gripe with them was, I did all these signs and wonders, not for Pharaoh and them, I did it for them to show you how much I loved you by taking care of, of an enemy that had enslaved y'all for hundreds of years. And you got out of that, and the only thing you could tell me was that you were ungrateful that, I, that the, 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 the place I took you out of and into was a wilderness. Do you not know I was going to make a way in the wilderness? Did you not know I was going to create a river? And you know, did you not know that I was going to that I was going to bless you in the wilderness? Bible said that they walked in their shoes. The, the soles of their feet never ran out. The shoes never went bad. God was doing supernatural wonders for them from the time they walked out of slavery. He said, you're not going to worry about groceries. He sent matter from heaven and fell down every day. He said, I'm going to send you fresh bread from the kingdom. He gave them water. He turned bitter water sweet and let them drink Kool-Aid in the desk. Y'all don't want to hear me. They was drinking, they had to black they were, they were drinking Kool-Aid in the desert. And all they could do was tell God they hated the process. Think about this. You come out of slavery, you wear a size eight. You're walking every day for 40 years. He even loved them, although he gave them a death sentence. Because even while they were dying and their feet were getting bigger, their shoes grew with their feet. They were walking in the wilderness to die, but he kept feeding them. He didn't just let them drop dead, he let them die of natural causes. Ah. And even with that, they mumbled and, and grumbled and complained against him in the process. And they were upset about their children. If you read the text and numbers, they were upset about their children. They said, what about our children? How are they going to make it? They don't have it. And then God said, I'll take care of your children. He said, y'all say your children can't make it, but I'm going to prove to you that I wanted y'all to make it so much that I wanted your children to grow up. And although they're not farmers, they, they, don't know how to, they don't know how to fight. Their hands are soft. He said, I'm going to train them to be warriors. Now, if you can't see God's love and all of that, something's wrong. Lift your hands and say, he loves me. That ought to be enough. If you don't get the house, if you don't get the car, if nothing ever changes for you, he loves me. Watch this. But because he loves you, he said to them, in blessing, I'll bless you. And in multiplying, I'll multiply you. I'll make your name great. It may not come when you think it ought to come. But somebody said, it's on the way anyway. You just have, you just gotta, you gotta love him until it comes. 
and you got to develop such a relationship with him that he keeps progressing with you. And then when you do get the money, or you do get the husband, or you do get the wife, or you do get the job, or you do get the car, it doesn't stop you from loving him. I ain't staying home to, to water my grass for a house that I got because I loved him. I'm going to give him everything. And based on what he gave me in return, I'll continue to bless him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And hear me, everything you need is going to be added. I know we, we hear a lot. But if nothing's being added, maybe you're not seeking the right thing. Father, lift your hands up. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, these are your people. They don't belong to me. These are your people. And many people in this, many of your people in this room, God, have been suffering with impatience, with fears feeling like they missed their times and their seasons. Tonight, God, I'm asking that you reaffirm within us that you're still going to come through for us. Reaffirm within your people tonight that we haven't lost everything. Reaffirm within your people tonight that all isn't lost. We don't want to be like Israel and miss our next opportunity because of our complaints. But tonight we lay it all at your feet. We lay it at the foot of the cross tonight. Everything, everything we desire, everything we want, everything that we feel like we're due, we lay it at the foot of the cross. Just envision yourself in your mind's eye, in your imagination. Take all of that stuff. Take every burden. Take every pain. Take everything that you that seems like you've lost. Take everything that you are waiting on God to do for you. Take all of it, present it to him at the cross, and lay it at his feet. Lord, I'm laying this at your feet. I leave it all here. I leave it all here to worship you and serve you. I leave it all here to worship you and serve you. In due season, I'll reap. If I faint not. I will reap if I faint not. I will reap if I faint not. I will reap if I faint not. the time limit off God. Tonight, take the time limit off God. I know you said in a year, in six months is right. Take the time limit off God. He's cooking up something for you. He's making something better for you than you thought you would ever get. Take the time restraint off God. Loose yourself from the time restraint you put. Loose yourself from the time restraint your family gave you. Loose yourself from the time restraint from something you read in the book. Loose yourself from that tonight and tell God I'm going to be in time with you. For everything, there is a time and a season for every purpose under the heaven. Lord, I want my life's time to be in line with your time and season for me. I don't want nothing too early. And if I trust you the way I'm supposed to trust you, I'll never get it too late. Even Abraham and Sarah got a baby even after the time they should have gotten it because they were in God's time and God's season. Everything you want is in God's time. I want my family to come back together. I want things to be right for me. I want my money to come back together. I want, want my credit to be better. I want my family to be restored. I want my mind to be right. I want, my, I want, I want a new house, God. I'm tired of living in this place. You
you may have to remodel one more time before God gives you a new house. But wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Don't, don't let what you're looking at stop you from believing and trusting in Him. But just take the time to stray off of Him. Because He may do it before your time that you told Him you wanted to be done by. He may blow your mind and give it to you early. But you got to trust Him. Don't be like Israel and get out of one mess to get into a, a season of freedom and still don't trust Him. Trust Him here. Trust Him in the wilderness. Trust Him although it don't look like nothing's coming together. Trust Him with your money. Trust Him with your love life. Trust Him with your mind. Trust Him with your children. Come on, trust Him with your health. You shall not die, but you will live to declare the work of the Lord. Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver you out of them all. Trust Him tonight. If you trust Him, you will progress. It'll be a healthy progression. He'll take you from glory to glory. He'll take you from faith to faith. Open your mouth. Come on, I feel worship in the room.